Good evening, every one of you. Um, everyone tuned in. I can see Prosperity House, um, Natalie, Goldie Capella, Sharon, Esther. Who is K? Huh? Razim or whoever it is. Good evening to all of you. Um, the reason why I'll be speaking to you in the manner that I'll be speaking to you is because I believe that and I know this is going to be bold to say so I know whatever I'm going to say today me just speaking it is me being accountable meaning that I can't hide from what I'm about to say meaning also that each and every one of you will bear witness to what I'm about to say in time to come, of course, if that's just a confession out of excitement or if it's the real deal. What I want to say to you is this. I believe that in all my journey in God, I believe that God has finally caught me. Imagine I'm saying this to you after years of pastoring you. After years of seeming successes. After years of seekers. Worship nights. Youth revival. Do you remember the Holy Ghost takeovers? All the prayer sessions. Those of you that sat with me pray, praying for hours. And every kind of activity that accompanies one who follows religion, I'm saying to you boldly for the second time that I believe that God has finally caught me. God having his hands on me does not mean that everything shows overnight. But whatever you will see, which I know will be what will make the world marvel. Yeah? And I'm speaking confident, confidently like this because hopefully tonight at least one or two of you can make such a bold statement. In 10 years or so, whenever time God allocates, when the world looks at Apostle Obi and begin to marvel, those of you that are here, I hope, which is all of you, but whoever will be here will remember what I've said to you today. Because that confession that I can make boldly to you will of course be accompanied by certain actions. I want you to remember something I said to you the other day and I may go in and out of some of the things that I've been saying to you because I believe strongly that God wants me to sell to you his call. The call of reinvention. So for that reason, what I have to do is go through the many words that I may have been sharing to you or COD at large so you can finally, hopefully, hear. I believe that God, in every word, is trying to call us, like I said to you the other day, into the call of reinvention. Calling us to remake ourselves calling us to humble ourselves to his word, his material that builds a man, a woman. So 
when I make this comment saying that in years to come, people will see the man, Pastor Obi, and marvel, it's because God has caught me and now I am humbly or I understand the need of his word for me. You know, religion doesn't allow you to to agree with what I've just said because the word is not for you. You say it, you confess it, but your actions show that you do not believe it because the Bible says that to him who believes, they will do greater. Confession is not a sign of belief. Doing is the evidence of your belief. So many at times when we hear the word, what we do is that word is for somebody else to tell me, no. I've got to a place, when I say that God has caught me, I understand now that the word is for me. The word's duty is to make me. Come, let us make man. Come, Peter, and I will make you into a fisher of men. John, a man from God. You see all of these accounts that yet again God has constantly been trying to say to each and every one of us that these words duty, the words you hear is to make a Tony. But you see the problem and this is what we're going to go into. So I've got mainly only two scriptures for you. Yeah. One as my main scripture and we'll go to that first. But what I want you to understand is that you see when you get to the place where the word becomes something that you do not neglect. Remember the scripture I read to you yesterday in the word that there were some who did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And so God gave them over to a depraved mind. Why is that important? Because again, and I was saying to some of your brothers and sisters earlier today that if you read, the, I think it was the verse 21 or so, or one of the scriptures verses, it said that they exchanged the glory of God. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And if you remember, and if you are someone that actually listens to what I say, you would hear when I got to the point of saying that the lie that they exchanged the truth with was every teaching that they had been formally taught. Right now in this room, you have a mindset, a teaching, a thought pattern around co-living, living with people. Right now in this room, you have a mindset about a woman and how close she's permitted to you and yours. A man, how close he is permitted to you and yours. You have a mindset, a thought pattern towards how you will become successful. If you are someone that started off in business in the world, you've already carved out or you already have a road that you believe that you must be walking on if you are ever going to be successful. These are teachings, false teachings that are lies. And many at times at the coming of the word, many at times because the word seems illogical to what you have seen before, you neglect it. You choose not to acknowledge it. You exchange it once again with the lies, the false teachings, everything you have been taught to now. So what God wants to do with us is find men. That when men see them, they will be a testament to his school. Are you following me? 
God, you know, if I see a Tumashe believing that her success is going to be through going through school system, the problem is if she becomes successful, most at times, it's only going to be a testament to the schools you went to. But what God wants it to be, if we went to Acts 4, 4 verse 13, he wants it to be that at the observation of his men, that they can say, this was Peter and John, they can say that these are unschooled men, untrained men, unlearned men. Yet, what we can testify of them because of the things that they say, their courage, their boldness, we can testify that these are men who have been with Christ. So what God wants of you, Sean, is for you to be a testament of his own schooling, his own school of thought, the, his perspective on the image or the idea we have of God. But so that I don't go ahead of myself. So I want to start here as, you know, prosperity house and i i want to quickly encourage a pastor corinne as a leader sometimes it's discouraging when you do not believe when there is something in your heart that you believe you should be able to do but the manifestation of it is not coming the first indication that should bring to you is that there's a lack of power now what does leaders have to do sometimes a leader has to stop certain things because whatever you're trying to build this foundation cannot accommodate it so i don't need to get rid of a prosperity house in fact let me be honest with you i couldn't care less the people that live there it can be an emily today it can be another person it can be, uh, who else is there? A Lamel there today. It can be another person. It can be an Anasu today. It could be another person. Guess what? Corinne can even be the leader of a prosperity house or it can be another person. What I know is that there will be a house of prosperity. So what I want to encourage you here is that the duty, the reason why I cannot go and allow this house to just go and run by itself is because I can see it. It's lacking power. What do we need to do? come together build up strength revisit the truths the pillars that build a house and in a short time when you begin to run you will really run you will not fall because you have been built as you should be but this is where i want us to start today and i was saying this to your brothers and sisters that there's a thought in this world that the more you know the more successful you will be. There's an unspoken thought, idea, that the more you know, the more successful you will be. And what I start to say to some of your brothers and sisters that I need to repeat to you is that as good and sound as that sounds, it is not true. We live in a day and age where people have access to knowledge more than years before. We're in the day, of a, the day and age of internet, for example. Someone can be seated in their own house and find out information about another country because someone has created a platform where according to how much you want to put in, you can find out. Are you sure you're listening to me? So what's the point? that I'm trying to 
get to with that. That knowledge by itself does not bring change. I think the example I gave you earlier is if you go to the corner shop today and in case any of you are stressed and you say you want to have um, a, a, um, a cigarette to um, chill yourself, yeah? Some people, are, you're so stressed that even I will encourage you to go and have one. But if you go to the shop and you want to buy a packet of cigarettes, guess what's on it? Posted on it. That smoking kills. That knowledge is true. That knowledge is proven. But that knowledge does not bring about change. Someone will still see it and still use it. Why? Because as I'm saying, knowledge by itself does not bring change. I will have to use stupid, small and easy examples to illustrate to you the state of church. And when we say the state of the church, I want you to also know that the state of the church is not a building. It's the caliber of people that are gathering to this idea called God. So yes, knowledge is pasted. Yes, we live in a, in a dispensation, a time, an age where you can gain knowledge easier than some of our predecessors were able to gain. But knowledge by itself cannot bring change. So how then do we bring change? Because what I believe strongly, and if you hear me speak, I'm going to be emphasizing the need and the core of reinvention. What God is doing when you came to the word Esther, what God brought to you was not just the Bible according to John chapter 1. What God brought to you every Thursday you hear the word, it's a call to you to reinvent. It's a call. Do you remember the other day when I said to you that Abraham being told to leave his country, his father's household, his family was a call for reinvention. Do you remember when I said that to you? Do you also remember that I said, according to what I can see today, I know and I believe that that call was not intended to be exclusive to Abraham. I said from what we can see in our day and age, God probably spoke to absolutely everybody, but only Abraham was daring to reinvent himself. Only Abraham was daring to take up the challenge to become somebody new. Because you see, like I said to you before, when you think of change, it will be synonymous with pain. And you see the problem with pain, that idea of pain, is that it's always going to make itself or bring you to a place where you are reluctant to change. Why are you still who you are? Because you're comfortable. It doesn't hurt you. You're comfortable with the way you think. The way you process things. You are comfortable with the kind of people you have around you. You're comfortable with your level of output. So that's the reason why you stay the way you are. So if we are going to be able to scale up, increase our value, we have to embrace change. But like I said, knowledge by itself cannot bring change. 
You can imagine we're quickly, and God has to remind, we're quickly looking into businesses and all of these things. And praise God for services like today. I realize that what we're trying to do is build an outlook without building and revisiting our core values. Because it was our core values that brought us to where we are, where we have these things. Someone will think, Pastor Obi, why are you not suddenly... And why don't you care about social media? Why don't you care about this? Why don't you care about this? Because it's not me. And what brought me to a place where you think I need to care about it was not me looking for that. It was staying with the core values. What you want to discover, what you want to do, and I wrote down here that I need to ask you the question, all the houses, do you even have time for yourself? Because until you know you, you can't, you can't level up. You cannot but again my point that knowledge by itself cannot bring change so how then do we bring change is the question how then do we remote ourselves because you see who we are and the blessing of the human race is that it has a specific touch from god it has a touch that separates them the human race from animals I'm going to keep repeating this because I know people are hearing me, but they haven't heard me yet when I say it. You are no different without the touch of God. You are no different from an animal. An animal, and I keep using this example, an animal needs to eat. You need to eat. An animal rests. An animal works. An animal pasts waste. A human being does every single thing it does as well. But guess what? What separates you from being an animal, even though, you know, if, how can I say this now? Because I don't want you to lose the sensitivity of the moment. If an animal passed away, let me keep that as, as simple. If an animal passed away, the difference between you and them, I hope, is that there's a ritual around how you do it. Meaning that, God forbid, someone's not going to stand up here and say, I need to pass ways and pass their hair. The only person that will do that is an animal. An animal will not give regards for what is natural to him. You see, why I have to keep repeating this is because I had to tell myself that yielding to temptation is animalistic. No, let me illustrate this again. An animal, for what it needs, will not have a ritual or a spirituality or a means of how it does what is natural to it. You need to shower. An animal cleans itself in a way. But you see, an animal doesn't mind cleaning themselves anywhere. For you, culture, religion has taught you the way of cleansing. You know, if you go to a house, you would see sometimes, is it a bidet, yeah? That would tell me that it was a religious man that made this house. Because in some religions, that's necessary for, your, for, your, um, for you to clean yourself. What am I saying with all of this? That what separates you is that you think more. There's a sense of, I want you to think bigger what ritual is, but 
The fact that you apply a ritual to how you shower, meaning that you don't just stand up here and shower, you go to, to a bathroom, you cover yourself, you do whatever you do, or how you use the toilet, is what makes you different from an animal because something has given you a ritual practice. And you have done it so much that you don't even consider it a ritual. It's just normal now. That's what separates you. So do you know what I did? I trained myself to say that though there are similarities between myself and an animal, if an animal wants to pleasure itself, if an animal sees another animal and wants to um, mate with it, it can do it out in the open for everyone to see. It doesn't think to caution itself in order to mate. It's just that if I have the temptation to mate, I will. But you see, I said to myself, if I yield to temptation, I drop from being God's image into being an animal. Do you understand these things? You see, you see what I've just said to you? Over the courses of every opportunity I have to speak to you, I'm going to be reminding you. I'm going to repeat it until you finally hear what I'm trying to get to with that. But back to the point of knowledge. So we agree that knowledge by itself, a person knows if they want to lose weight, they already know that it's exercise that you need to do, right? In order to lose weight. But guess what? The knowledge by itself, you're not going to say, I now know that it's exercising that's going to make me lose weight, that will make you lose weight. Knowledge by itself cannot change you. So what changes us? The embracing and the acknowledgement of the pain of taking action. Remember I told you I'm speaking to you about the state. This is not the titles, by the way. But I'm telling you first the state of the church. That someone goes to every Thursday service. Every time their leaders speak in. Someone may be disciplined enough to go into the Bible or onto SoundCloud. And what they are doing is acquiring knowledge. But knowledge by itself, by itself will not change you. Do you know what will change you? The counting of a cost. The acknowledgement and the embracing that there is a pain in taking action. I wanted to say it like that because there's no way around taking action without the pain of it. When I'm speaking to you about reinvention, if I look at, for example, Pastor Ashley, who I've known the longest out of everyone, imagine me being in my room and sometimes having to push everyone away, including her, because there's a matter, there's a topic that God is speaking to me. He's saying, look, whatever you think you are, there's something more. So if a Pastor Ashley, if anyone has seen the best of Pastor Ashley, God still says to us, there's still a greater version of you. But the knowledge that you acquire by me saying that to you will not change you. The only thing that will change you, Tony, is in all this knowledge I'm sharing with you, you acknowledge and you embrace the pain of taking action. Because that's the only thing that will bring about the change. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So, we look at the knowledge, we realize that, and I've said it to you, that the problem with now, wherever there is pain, 
pain, if you remember, because people are forgetful hearers, when I was speaking to you about focus, when I was doing the conversation of um, conversations with P.O., I actually said what I'm saying to you now. That pain, I said to you that sometimes focus, what happens when we're talking about David and Goliath, I was saying that you see the core or you see focus, you see vision and all of these things, it isolates people. Now, why am I saying that to you? Most people at the acknowledgement of pain, they see it and that deters them from embracing it. Because why should I be comfortable and voluntarily put myself in pain? So here's the issue. And this is the way I'm going to have to describe it to you. If we're trying to push towards change, because change will bring its reward. I don't know about you, however you view me. You, you guys can, Pastor Elihim can say, oh, this is the man I follow. It means nothing to me. Let me tell you something, because you see me as myself. I know that this is not me. I'm still trying to get somewhere. I will be a fool to say because he's celebrating me to stay and be comfortable with the way I am so you as leaders must not be given away by what people are saying you must constantly look for your development because whatever you have listen to me pastor Ashley may not be told to go and get a job but whatever she's making financially it's not because she has a job or doesn't have a job it's according to what she's valued at right now so for me, I will constantly be looking for how I can increase my value. And that's going to be by me taking heed to myself. That's the final scripture I'm going to take you to, but not my first stop. So, knowledge by itself cannot bring change. We've now discovered that it's going to be the acknowledgement and the embracement, the embracing of the pain that comes with taking action. But here's the problem. We will be doing ourselves a disservice and we will also be deceiving ourselves if we ignore the way the human mind works. The human mind, like I said, will always tilt towards comfort. I said to some of your brothers and sisters earlier, I said, if I was to tell all of you now to name quickly off the top of your head the many things you can do to destroy yourself, I guarantee you will think of many things. The example I gave is, if you want to destroy yourself, jump out of this balcony. You want to destroy yourself, go and violate somebody. There are many things you can do to destroy yourself. But if I say, tell me things that will help build you, you it'll be harder for you to bring up examples why because there's a true there's a true principle in life that it is easier to destroy yourself than to construct yourself build yourself much easier much easier you know the bible says a little sleep a little slumber sleep is easy hard work is hard but a little sleep a little slumber will bring about the destruction called poverty right hard work is harder but the Bible says the diligent hands will bring about profit. So what I'm doing with you today in a discussion mode is what I said in the beginning. I have to sell to you the principle 
or the process of reinvention. When God says, I am the God of Abraham, he testified that the reinvented Abraham was because of me. From Abraham to Abraham, right? When he says, I am the God of Isaac, as much as Abraham tries to tie down Isaac, if you are a student of Pastor Toby, Pastor Toby taught us this in the message fatherhood from which I spoke to you, journey with the father. And he said in that word that Isaac was old enough to fight off his old father. So for him to be bound on an altar, he made the decision. As much as the story and your knowledge of scripture has told you that it was Abraham's court. No, Abraham would not have been able to fulfill that unless Isaac made his own decision. So what was Isaac's um, reinvention process from a mortal to an immortal? Isaac becomes the image of Christ because he chose to face the pain of taking action. He was not going to just hear the knowledge, the information served to him by his mother and father that in you, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. That knowledge is fine, but it will not come into fruition in his life until he is able to face the pain of taking action. And in his case, it was dying for whatever God had called his dad into the God of Isaac, another one reinvented. And then Jacob, we know the story. From Jacob to Israel. Did you notice in the process of change from Jacob to Israel, do you notice that he was injured in his hip? For there to be change, God always stamps that there will be no change without pain. So what I'm saying to you and I is, can we embrace the pain that will actually bring about the change? Or are we going to stay like the church we have seen who can quote to you from Genesis to Revelation scriptures? They acquire knowledge, they store knowledge, but they cannot take action because there's a pain in taking action. So again, we will be deceiving ourselves if we think or if we neglect the way the human mind processes and the way the human mind works. So how do we push ourselves towards possibly taking action despite the pain? Principles in scriptures that I'll hi highlight to you is that God told us that story in Joseph. Joseph is not where I'm going. I'm saying all of this to head somewhere. A very beautiful psalm by David. That's where I'm going today. But to get there, I need to do all these stop-offs. How would I embrace the taking action process which brings pain? First, I cannot ignore the way the human mind works. Now, how is it that the human mind works? In order to bring change, there's going to be immediate pain. Again, maybe I'll stick by the example of if someone, especially a woman, says to herself, I want to go to the gym and lose weight there's immediate pain, yeah? Now that immediate pain by itself needs a counter, it needs something that counteracts it. Um, for illustration's sake, let me call it imagined gain. Meaning, a woman will see a picture of the figure she wants, yeah? And that will be what she will use as the power 
against the immediate pain. What will allow her to keep going through the pain is that imagined gain. Do you understand that? What will make you go through the pain as a business person of many failures? You saw this business, you tried. You tried to hit targets and you failed. What will make you go through it? Because remember, what I need you to be mature about Fortress COD is that pain is not strange. It's actually what you must experience for change. So what will make me keep going through the numbers of obstacles, opposition, barriers, the pains that I face, the resistance is going to be the picture I create for myself that keeps me going. So Akida believes that he will be financially supportive. He'll be financially free. He believes he'll be very well, well off in wealth, in finances, in, in properties, in, in, in assets and all. But what he needs to hear from me is not that everything's going to work overnight. What he needs to hear from me is the truth about the process of reinvention, that you're going to face pain. Uh, Pastor Oni was once told and mocked before the whole nation. This is the man with the most failed businesses. Imagine if he did not have an imagined gain in front of him. That mockery would have been hit the last stop. He would have turned back and gone back to his comfort zone. So his comfort zone could have been he, he has a father that can give him 100k. And that in relation to where he's coming from can still be a lot. But it's not what core is. It's not the blessing of the reinvented Pastor Oni. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So what do we need to set up? Because to embrace pain without creating an imagined gain is us neglecting how the human mind works so that i don't lose you let's stay with the example of the person going to gym why would a woman every time she's going to gym take a picture or record herself i don't think she's trying to entice anybody with that picture or image but she's trying to sell to herself an image that will make her say that the pain is worth it why is it that you do not fight in the morning? Why is it that you are still lazy to get up? Because there's no image that makes you say that the pain of getting up in the morning is worth it. Why are you, why are you afraid to try and speak in front of people even though you know that you're not good at speaking? It's because you do not have an image in front of you that tells you that after all these pains and, and trials, you eventually get to something that is better than what you see today. So the black person always returns back to comfort because they're not willing to embrace pain anymore. You see, slavery was them experiencing pain, but not according to their own will. Success is going to be you bringing pain to yourself according to your will. So Basola can go and have to work hours but she has a goal. This is the reason why we set targets. Because at the end of the month, whenever you set your target, it must become so attractive and real enough to combat the pain you're going to face now. So how do we stop ourselves from hiding 
running away from the process of invention, reinvention. We have to create for ourselves an imagined gain that gives us the motivation to keep going through that pain. Are you following me? I'm going to have to do it like this to know that you're hearing me. You're going to have to imagine. So I said to you, this story has been told to us through Joseph. Joseph was in his father's house. And in his father's house, he was great, but he was not yet who God knew. Joseph was the overseer of his brothers. He was the one given the many coat, um, the many colors, the coat of many colors, right? There was a level of approval, and you see, as good and as much as we know Jacob to be in a man of covenant, that level of approval was only to stop him being everything that Joseph was meant to be according to what God could see over his life. So do you know what God had to do? God starts the journey with Joseph by giving him an imagined gain. We call it a vision of night. We call it a dream. He gives him an image of what he's going to be. Now, do not be deceived. Look at the story of Joseph's life. Joseph knew what that dream meant because every other dream, there was not one dream you saw that Joseph interpreted or Joseph was given that he did not understand. The gift was, even though we may not have fully understood what that vision was of the moon and the stars and the sun bowing, and the sheaves bowing. The vision, what I'm trying to say with that is, we may not make sense of it because it wasn't our vision, but to him, he understood what it meant. What I'm saying that he understood what it meant does not mean he understood or he knew that he was going to Egypt. What he just knew was that wherever he is, is not the end of where God wants to take him. He is the overseer of his own household. He is the beloved of Jacob. And that may seem the highest position for where he is. So when God wants to move a priest from her high horse now, he will give her a word that creates an image. He will say to Grace, I believe you are called to be this. And what does that do? It gives you an image, an imagined gain that you can use to go through and navigate through your pains that will come immediately. You see, the imagined gain is something delayed. But you have to look at it long enough until it's more real than the pain you see now. For the prize ahead, for the crown ahead, the Bible says that Christ endured the cross. That pain was not pain powerful enough to deter him anymore because there was something he was seeing that was more real more attractive and more powerful than his immediate pain so i can say to you that god has finally caught me because there's something that god has shown me i have heard pt say a word i have opened the bible and i have been convicted of certain things I have listened to SoundCloud and I've taken ownership of certain promises and that has created an image that is more real than the pain, more real than the humiliation, more real than the shame that I may have to face now. And that gives me navigating power. That gives me strength to see through a woman 
cannot wait to hold the child and doesn't mind going through the pain of labor at that point she's at life and death but she does not mind it for the joy of the child she's about to behold how do you combat the pain raise for yourself an imagined gain so you know i loved it when you said to me that one day you can see yourself working in the un whether that's going to be your truth or not what you must always put in front of you is something that's bigger than your possible pain now it must be bigger than your flaws it must be bigger than your mistakes now it must be strong enough to keep you going that's why God calls and he calls you into something so great because he knows that your flaws are many so he calls you into something so great that is able to still pull you out of your down place down position so God gives us a powerful image as he did with Joseph and like I said it means nothing to everybody else but to him makes perfect sense and what happens at the confession of what he begins to see opposition rises he could have thought to himself God what is going on but God says, no, you have now accepted the journey and core of reinvention. So the first thing that marks your reinvention is going to be the pain. Remember, knowledge by itself cannot bring change. But it is the acknowledgement and the embracing of the pain of taking action that brings about change. Now, again, why is change so necessary, guys? simple whoever you are now whatever you have is according the world doesn't owe you anything whatever you have now is your current value so if you are satisfied with where you are then you don't need to change but you see for me my position of a son is to aid the father in his work and every time PT says three million is our target, that becomes my target. Not a portion of it, the whole thing. So I see that and I go through any pain necessary because that's where I'm going. Do you understand these things? God has to give us an imagined gain. We have to raise for ourselves an imagined gain. Anna must believe, must be sitting down and as she hears Apostle Obi or Pastor Toby or any of the leaders speaking, she has enough time with herself to hear what God is saying she has potential to be. And she must keep pondering. She must keep looking at this image until it becomes attractive and powerful for her to say, you know what, I'm ready to endure anything. And for however long until I see the, the manifestation of this. So there's a scripture I want to show you. A psalm of David. A shepherd king. One who made the journey of being a shepherd. A shepherd's boy. Neglected and thrown into oblivion. And how he became the stamp or the prototype or the example of what a king should be how does someone build themselves 
from being a shepherd into being a king that will be used as an example for generations. In fact, he became so reinvented that he became the offspring or he became the father, in quotes, of Christ, the greatest example, the greatest man. How did he do that? Let's go together to Psalm 34. This is what I want to read to you. So again, the example is this. Let's again, for you to understand this, let's keep to the example of someone going to the gym. How do you combat the pain that brings about or makes someone reluctant to change? Someone that says, oh, I'm not sure I want to go through this and chooses to stay comfortable with where they are. You must build an imagined gain. You must, and that's why whenever we hear the word, what God is doing is trying to build a picture in you, Beryl. Something more than you could have seen by yourself. Because the only thing that can carry you through pain must be a God-induced vision, image, or dream. Did you hear what I've said to you? It must be God induced it must be something that God gave you and what keeps me going is that whatever I think I can be tomorrow I could not have imagined it myself that's why I said that it was God that gave Joseph that dream it was God that spoke to you one day through the word and all of a sudden a picture came so you see for us to see gain for us to see change, for us to walk on the road of change, we now need to get to a place where with every effort, we kind of balance the struggle. Yeah? We balance the struggle. What I see cannot be weaker than the pain I'm about to face. Because if what I see is weaker than the pain I'm about to face, eventually I'll give up. So I have to do everything to at least balance it or make the image of my imagined gain stronger, more powerful and more attractive than the pain I'm going to face immediately. Psalm 34 is a beautiful psalm of David. I want you to read it in the Amplified or whoever will be reading it for me. And we're going to read it together from verse 12 in the amplified so if you've got your phone out your bible i want you to look at the scripture i actually want you to look at the scripture i'll wait we're reading psalm 34 from verse 12 in the amplified and with an open heart hear the passion of david as he asks this question once you're there read for me who is the man who desires life? Who is the man that desires life? I love this scripture. Go for it. And loves many days that he may see good. Stop there. That's a powerful scripture. But do you understand it? David says, who is the man? Read it for me. Go on. Who is the man who, who does is the man? Yeah. Who desires life? Who is the man that desires life? Clody, do you desire life? I think we all do. Go on. And loves many days that he may see good. Who 
loves life, who desires life so much so that they desire many days so that they can enjoy it. I think that most people go to school, sets up businesses, tries to build a home because they want to enjoy life. I don't think people go into all kinds of endeavors to only struggle. I think the goal of everyone is prosperity. Whatever someone defines prosperity as is up to them. So someone can say prosperity for me is just a family that we have a home. Another person can be prosperity is I want to create the new medicine that kills off cancer, for example. Prosperity, in other words, is fulfillment of what you consider core. Yeah? Prosperity is the ability for me to know that I have everything that enables me to be fulfilled in what I believe I'm called to do. Now, the Bible says, who is the man that desires life? And who is the man that looks for many days in order to enjoy it? Read it once more for me. Go on. Who is the man who desires life yeah. and loves many days that he may see good? Do you know what King David is saying here? King David is saying that you can be that man. Please follow me. He asks the question, but he says you can be that man that enjoys life, that has many days, that, can have, that could have their days fulfilled. But he says in order to be that man, look at what he says next. Go on. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your tongue from evil. Yeah. And your lips from speaking deceit. And your lips from speaking deceit. I'll explain this in a moment. Next verse. Turn away from evil. He says turn away from evil. Yeah. And do good. And do good. Pause there. Why didn't King David just say, if you want to be the man that enjoys their days, do good? Think about it with me. Why didn't he just say, in order for you to enjoy your days, if you're in pursuit of good, simply do good. Does that make sense to us, right? Talk to me. It makes sense, right? But here's the problem. As I was sitting in my room before coming here, I thought of when Christ said, imagine the Pharisees, Sadducees, Jews, Jewish leaders of the time, one day came to Christ and said, was trying to showcase to him the temples that has been built, the great temple that took 46 years, I believe, to build. And Christ actually said, look, pull this thing down destroy it and I will rebuild, reinvent. I will remake a temple in three days. You see what's interesting about that is that God is saying that two of you cannot coexist. Now I'm going to explain what I've said so that you don't get lost. Two of you cannot coexist. The problem is you're either one or the other. So it's either that Joseph remains overseer of his house in Canaan or that is destroyed for him to be the overseer of the world. You cannot be both. You don't understand. I'm trying to say to you that David 
was a man that grew from being a shepherd's boy and nobody to being the most decorated king that has ever existed. How? Because he understood the process of change. That the process of change cannot be doing good alone. It must first be turning away from evil, then doing good. You see now, like I was saying to you earlier, the problem is your understanding of what I'm saying is limited because you already have an understanding and a capacity. Meaning when I start to talk about evil, you're thinking spiritual things, you're thinking fornication, you're thinking that, but it's more than that. And I intend to open up your mind or the Holy Spirit to open up our minds tonight. David knows that the process of change is going to be not just you doing good. You must turn away first from evil and then do good to see profit, to see change. So for you to understand this, let me go back to my example, my chief example today. Jim. A woman wants to lose weight, yeah? What would, what would doing good be? Talk to me. Huh? Eating healthy, go on. Going to the gym. I think the most easiest way of losing weight is going to the gym. It's a proven scientific truth. Now, if you want to lose weight, you exercise, you burn certain calories and such, right? So doing good in this case is what? Exercising. So let's take, for instance, a woman goes to gym regularly, yeah? She devotes herself to five days a week of going to the gym. That's doing good, right? But imagine, take, for instance, a woman says, that same woman that goes to gym five days a week says, because I'm working so hard, because I'm doing good, I will eat whatever I want to eat. You know, when women say I'm having cheat days, right? Men says I'm having cheat days. They just say I'm going to eat whatever I'm going to eat. And because they're working hard, they continue eating. Guess what? They're doing evil to themselves. So as they are working hard in the gym and they're constantly overeating or eating wrongly, at the end of it all, there will be little to no results. I need you guys to hear me. There'll be little to no results. Guess why? In order to fully benefit and reap of the good you're doing, evil and good cannot coexist. Someone can say to themselves, I've been going to the gym five days a week for three months, yet there's no change. Obviously, there will be no change because they're still the embracing of that which is evil. You see why I have to use the word evil and why I have to say I have to open your mind is because you see the term evil there. It must be relative to your goal. If we say evil and generalize it, you, are, you will not be able to know what's really evil. For example, you want to be successful, yeah? You want to prosper financially. What would evil be? One of the examples of evil. Sleeping a lot. 
You see, in another world or in another goal, that's not evil to another person. Your, whatever you count good or evil must be relative to the vision you have. So someone asked me today, uh, am I not going to be watching shows anymore? There's a vision I've seen. And even though a PT now can binge watch, right? I can't. Because it will be evil to the goal I'm trying to achieve. It's like exercising and overeating at the same time. When I want to measure growth, I will see that there will be either little to no results. If not, it will even tilt to the negative side. Why? Because evil and good cannot coexist. Do you understand this illustration? It cannot be there together. So here's the issue. Most of us cannot even determine what's evil because we have not even got a determined goal. So for us, evil is a general term. So we cannot measure anything. For a person that wants to be successful financially, the word of God says that you should keep yourself sexually pure, for example. For another person, it may mean nothing. But for the determined goal, participating in that is evil. It fights what you're trying to achieve. Now, why am I saying this to you guys? And I need you to, to really understand what I'm saying to you. A person after seeing that there's no to little results may feel, no, let me be honest with you actually. Truthfully, even if you cannot be truthful, truthful to you, I will be truthful to you. You know deep down, whatever you are doing, which is the doing good, which is the going to um, gym five days a week, yeah, you know in your heart that all of that was just an act. Remember I said to you that I'm going to have to use simple examples to explain the state of the church, right? Okay. If after three months of being diligent to do five days a week of exercise, but in that time you're still eating recklessly, yeah? And at the end of it, you see no results. Even though you may feel that I should be virtuous in the, in the fact that I'm doing exercise i'm doing what my neighbor's not doing right the fact that you're accommodating what is evil to your goal you know deep down therefore even the good you're doing is an act let me make it more relatable to us because it might be a bit too far so it's like somebody constantly hearing the word or constantly giving each month or constantly opening up the bible and reading but they still accommodate fornication, yeah, behind closed doors or sexual immorality or backbiting or in their heart, they still accommodate and not liking somebody. They can have more than a day, you know. I remember the day that God had to correct me about allowing problems, troubles or, or anger to go overnight with me and Ashley. The Bible says, do not allow the sun to go down in your anger. That's a scripture that is not for the benefit of God. It's for the benefit of you. And yet you see a sister who can still have a couple days of not talking to someone. And if they don't want to feel guilty to themselves by saying, I'm not talking to someone, they do this thing of avoiding. 
so that they're not in a place whereby they have to talk or they they choose not to talk they just avoid you see the problem is you can be doing every good act but you see that evil you're doing it will still bring you to a place of having no results so you ask yourself when you look at the church today how many people you see constantly attending church services and at the end of it you're saying okay here's a period of time why can't we see change then you realize from this scripture is that they're doing good without turning first away from evil do you understand what i'm saying to you so how do i determine because what is good and what is evil must be relative to what my vision is if you are a mother a mother cannot fight any of her children i realize the truth about life that you will only love so do you know why and i'm gonna have to use this example because it kind of can be an umbrella uh, it can give an umbrella kind of um example to everyone else but let me use for for instance me and pastor ashley a uh, pastor ashley can choose to fight anybody yeah a girl or boy she can choose to fight do you know why a truth about life also think about this who would you consider loves more a parent to children or a children to parent who loves more parent to children right why have you ever asked yourself why huh gave birth to them go on you can talk to me speak loud so i can hear you a child is taught to love i hear you go on let me help you the reason why a parent would love children more than a children loves parent is because a parent invests more. What you invest in more, you will love more. So I understand, I have to use Pastor Ashley as an example. But Pastor Ashley can fight a child of COD in court more than I'm willing to fight because I invest more into them. You love more what you invest into. How do you grow more knitted with the work of the nation? You fight to invest into it. Do you know what would cause you to kind of um shun, reject is something that invests in you more. So, checking this theory, someone did a study and realized that a parent hardly kicks out a child as much as a child will kick out their parent at older age why a parent invests more into the child than a child invests to the parent so a secret to loving more is investing in somebody more so as angry as a tumache can make me i can't neglect her why my investment is there but that was a by way so again your whatever you consider good or or evil must be relative to what you believe a vision the vision you carry is so imagine no one will have somebody can possibly have absolutely no moral bearings if they don't even have a vision because what are you to relate your good or evil to if you don't have a vision so what encapsulated you when you came into the nation pastor told me speaking something 
that you resonated with that told you that there's something more for me. At that moment, you received the vision. But what you're meant to do now is give attention so much to you and that doctrine. That's where I'm going now. Give so much attention to yourself and to the doctrine. Give so much attention to what is necessary for you to achieve that so that you can tell yourself what is evil or good. Because if you don't, you're like the woman or the man who is stressing themselves every morning going to gym but doesn't see why it's bad for them to be eaten because they believe that they're exercising or they're doing enough good. But the King David, who became one of the most, if not the most decorated king, in other words, he became one of the greatest examples of reinvention, said that if a glody wants to become the man that enjoys life, seeks after good and even seeks many days to enjoy that good he cannot just do good he must know the evil first and turn away from the evil in order to benefit fully the good so let's read that scripture once more from verse 12 and then I'll move you to 1st Timothy and close who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Mm. Turn away Keep your tongue from evil. And what? Your lips from speaking deceit. And your lips from speaking deceit. Like I said to you, the example, you have no right to feel virtuous because you feel that you've been exercising. Because the fact that you've been overeating has for me, if I'm looking at that, you should know deep down that all you're doing is an act. Again, to make it clearer, what do you expect the results will be if after years of hearing the word or preaching the word or giving or loving your neighbor is also accompanied with you constantly struggling in sin? What do you expect the change to be? Little to no change. Now you see the problem is, is the refusal of temptation hard? Yes. Is there some somewhat pain next to refusing what is evil to your core? Yes. But remember, what will help you say no to sin when the temptation comes, because the temptation will always come, is what you're actually seeing that is stronger, more attractive than the immediate pain you're going through. So what does it say here? It says you should keep yourself away from speaking lies. What does that mean? Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't, don't confess things that you're not willing to act on if you want to change. So I said to one of your brothers, it's like, you've got to a place whereby you can't come to me in a week without making. I don't want to hear any more the prospect or this is now working out. Sir, da, da, da. No. For where you are going, there's a certain specific walk you must walk. So you see here, Pastor Obi, I understand what has been put on me. There's a level of life I must live in order for you 
to prosper. 26th birthday, PT said, for you, Pastor Obi, you're not a businessman. You're a pastor. What must you do? Keep the oil pure and God will raise people around you. So, what is... Okay, I'll help you with this. What is evil to me may not be evil to another person. Another person can go and do business. But because where the vision um, is indicating them towards, it does not require for them to either not do business or do business. Okay, let me use this example. Samson, in his generation and age, for a man to cut their hair, it's not evil. Unless you're Samson. Because for whatever he has to do, that is part of the requirements he must keep up. So if you, Esther, want to be successful, you must have conceived an image when the word is being spoken. And that can be immediately, that can be over time. But everyone has an image already. The vision of the nation is already your foundational image. What you must then do is know it so much that you know what can be accommodated in your life or not. Imagine on my birthday, um, when I was having my birthday dinner, it's a, it's a posh, opulent restaurant. And part of their service is that they serve champagne. When people tell me, sometimes people look at me and think, oh, why don't you drink alcohol? It has nothing to do with God. I'm being honest with you. The reason why I don't like alcohol is because I went to Ashley's cousin's house, smoked and drank alcohol to, to the place where I, I can't remember. I blacked out. And at that time, I'm a woolly you, a Woolworth Road boy, someone from Peckham in the heart of Angel Town. Because I was drinking and smoking, I lost my bearings. I remember my boy Chin was calling my phone overnight because my battery died because I blacked out. And the reason why he was calling me was because that day, Stockwell or, um, or Tulse Hill ran up on Angeltown. The last thing I remember was because I was getting so waved, I remembered me stepping outside of the house and standing in the park. Remember, where I'm coming from, I shouldn't be there already. So I'm already at problems with the people in that area, yeah, if they see me. But what makes it worse is that their ops will come and probably see me and think I'm them. So I said, alcohol is stupid. Plus, it's not that it's nice. Anyone that says that alcohol is nice, they're lying to themselves. It's not. So it was because of that I said, I'm not doing this. And I blame Corinne because Corinne used to host um, drink cups every Friday at her house. So we learned how to drink at her house. But in a serious note, like I said, as Samson, even though the cutting of the hair may not be an evil to his neighbor, it's an evil to him, but he knows that because of where he's going. So what must I do? Be so familiar with the vision. So that I can know the evil and the good. Because again, the good and the evil must be relative to the vision. So let's finish off that scripture from verse 12 once more. Go on. Who is a man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? 
Mm. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your tongue from evil, yeah. And your lips from speaking deceit. And your lips from speaking deceit. So don't be someone that is different in your confessions than you are as a person. What makes you a lie? What is a lie? Something that is not true to your person. So don't say, I believe I can take nations when my person is still an immoral person. That's you speaking lies. David says, if you want to see change, turn aside. So read it for us. Turn away from evil. Turn away from evil first. Then what? And do good. And do good. That's how you change. So now let's finish off with 1 Timothy chapter 4. The scripture I've been speaking to you constantly. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. After this, we'll pray, worship a bit. Just And again, prayer will not be a substitute. Worship will not be a substitute for, for the actions you must do to bring change. But do you know what prayer does? Do you know what worship does? It helps build up your most holy faith. It helps build up that image that you can use to pull through the pains, the struggles that you must to go through to bring about change. I can only imagine the mental torment that an Abraham will go through having waited all his life for a child and having had the mercies of God of giving him a child at his old age when it was too late for him to produce another. And then God saying, you know, if you're really going to change from being a mortal man to an immortal you're going to have to go through the pain of sacrificing your own son. You know why it couldn't be someone else that killed his son for him? Because like I gave the example of slavery, black people didn't really emerge from slavery because that was a pain that someone inflicted on them. The person that grows is the one that chooses their pain for themselves. If in case all of this sounds wild to you, don't forget the message when PT spoke about pain power and purpose using your pain for your purpose first timothy chapter 4 verse 16 i want you to help me find translation so as you're reading it someone else um, i'd be look for different translations and you're going to read all that you believe ministers to us tonight because that's the core prosperity house are you listening to me if you're going to evolve it's going to be your ability to give heed to yourself. You must really know the path you're looking for. So I, as Apostle Obi, I must know that there's a... So vision tells me if I can accommodate this or accommodate that at, per time. Apostle Ashley, I have to keep using her as an example. Apostle Ashley must be... She must not have lost sight of what she can possibly be. Because if she does, her story ends the moment she has a child. You know, there's a secret. I'll share it with you. There are many people, yeah, that has had children. These children come around me. And have you noticed what I do? I give them money. What would a small child do with a note? Throw it away, right? Do you know what I'm doing? I'm sowing. One way or another. God's going to orchestrate their steps to me. 
when God's timing is right. But why do I have to do that with the child? Why don't I give the, the money to the parent on behalf of the child? Why do I hand it to the child? Because most times, most parents killed off their story or ended their story when they had the child. How would that person bounce back? If a Karin has a child before time, she almost has to live as if she don't. She will have to work times two of a normal woman to even give chance for her to fight. So what would be the worst thing for me to do with a Karin? Take away her fight. Because if I take away her fight, I've honestly said to myself that I'm looking at Amelia, not her. So in quote, I don't know how we can plan this because I don't think babies are planned, but it has to be a plan between me and Pastor Ashley to know that, look, I still have a vision that cannot be killed by the arrival of a child. But I hope you know that you still have a vision. If a pastor Toby says, Ashley, you are my personal worshiper, that's creating an image that should say that there's certain fights you must go through. I use that as an example. If you're going to be financial, financially free, you must say to yourself that the common fight that everyone fights, it should already be an indication that that's not the same road for you. Because whatever the common person is fighting will bring, whatever result they, they will bring will be your same result if you fight that same fight. So as, as for some people, it's more than you meeting your own target. I called most of you yesterday asking everybody, do you believe that you're going to meet this target? And for some of you, I was like, now at the moment you've told me you're going to make it, you have no choice but to make it happen. But you know, the next level for some people is, what's your target? I've already collected however much money from them, but I'm still setting a target. And guess what? After they meet their target, God help them that I see that our overall target is not met. I'll still come back to them. Do you know why? I have to give them the pain that will bring the change in their life. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Read for me. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Take heed to yourself. So in the course of this message, I said to you all, do you have time for yourself? And you know, sometimes, remember I said to you that focus, if you remember from conversations with Pio, I said to you that focus may offend people, but your success will help many. So sometimes, again, I keep using Pastor Ashley because she's closest to me. Sometimes, sincerely, I want to spend time with her, but I have to push her to have time with me because look at what scripture says what saves us is not the constant words being spoken at somebody what how much can you recite and retain what saves you and the person is what you taking heed to yourself and the doctrine so if grace is going to be successful if grace is going to maintain a continuing power she must constantly have time where she draws herself away, in quote, 
And drawing herself away is not saying, sir, I need to go to a hotel and spend a couple of days. It doesn't work like that. It's you being able to factor in daily meditation where you can measure yourself against the word. Read it for me once more from where it says, take heed. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Yeah. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Another translation for me. When PT was speaking today, he used the scripture and he said, look, do not lose grips. Do not lose the grip on you. Because sometimes many things could come around you and you no longer look to you. You're looking to everything that will add to you, but you're not looking to you. How would we be able to save others and save ourselves? How would we be able to be fully reinvented? The attention, the diligence we give to ourselves. That's why I had to start off with what David said. It takes diligence. Carry on reading. Maybe give me like two or three different translations. Okay, this is the message translation. Go on. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Do you see that? So, listen. Many things, the life and the world we are in currently is very busy. And unless you are diligent enough to constantly look at yourself, you will lose yourself to the busyness of this world. So what must you do? Keep a firm grip on you. Don't lose sight of who you are. Because I say this boldly from a Remy. And I say this, look, what I'm saying to you now, I'm not calling names because I can see you. I'm telling you honestly, from a Remy to a Basola, to an Ashley, to a Beryl, to every single one of you. Listen, I'm not calling your names because you're here. I'm saying it from what I know. I've said it again from what I know. I've, I've just spoken God's word and I can't now come and kill off God's word with a lie. From what I know, there is more to you. Whatever you are today, there's much more to you. But you see, you're going to have to give attention to you. How would we get to a place where we're doing 50K or 250K a month? How well do you pay attention to you? Do you know what God has said over you? Do you fashion a life around what God has called you to be? Or are you exchanging the truth of God for a lie? The teachings you formerly knew? Now at this point, at this junction, COD, what we're saying here is I need to embrace this pain of taking action I need to keep a hold on me so I can bring about and reap fully the benefit of doing good one more translation and then we begin to pray um, after we'll hand some mics to the choir I want you to just flow nice and subtle and then we close go on amplified go on pay close attention to yourself concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching persevere in these things hold to them for as you do this you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you amen i want you to just for a moment 
we're now going to pray again what was we praying for earlier strength to bring about delivery of who god sees us to be i want you to take this word and own it from the day that i started to speak to you about caleb i said to you then that caleb and joshua took the word personal that's what set them apart from every other tribe heads now at this moment you can say this is another time we do prayer and worship whatever that means to you or you can say to yourself look at this point everything changes can you be bold enough to make the declaration i made in the beginning where you can say that now god has taken a hold of me and from this moment i'm going to live a life according to his word and the vision he has called for me and in keeping to that no longer accommodating so again look as a man a woman especially how young you are i'm not deceived with your faces it is normal as young as you are to feel the temptation of sexual sin but you must know now that the only way to combat that is do you keep hold a grip on you do you keep a hold on the doctrine do you keep a hold on what you see you're supposed to be and can you live according to what you see you're supposed to be for the next few minutes i want you to now open up your mouths i want you to pray and meditate ponder on these words but i want you to pray in the spirit why do we pray in the spirit we don't know how we ought to pray but the Bible says the person who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. So I want you to, for the next couple of minutes, just begin to pray in the spirit before I tell the choir to lead us in a few songs. Open up your mouths and pray. <laughs> 